welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Banner Monday, where we begin each week the best way that we know how, and that is by talking IU and Big Ten basketball. It'll be a little bit of an abbreviated edition this week. We're not going to do a mailbag, uh, but we'll have Mike DeCourcy here to talk about the Big Ten. That is coming up here in just a moment. A couple quick housekeeping notes off the top. Number one, of course, we will have the IU Rutgers postgame show for you on Wednesday, immediately following that IU Rutgers game, and then Assembly Call Radio on Thursday. Make sure that you keep SeatGeek in mind for tickets. Use the URL iutickets.shop and the promo code assembly. That URL iutickets.shop will take you right to the IU listing on SeatGeek and the promo code assembly will get you $10 off your first purchase. And then Home Field Apparel, of course, go there for all your Indiana apparel needs and the promo code assembly20 will get you 20% off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com. All right, and now. As he does every week, I am pleased to welcome in from the Big Ten Network, the Sporting News, and now as a bracketologist for Fox, one of the hardest working men in college hoops, the venerable Mike DeCourcy. And Mike, if I were to give you even odds, which side of this bet would you take? A randomly chosen Big Ten team winning at home or a Pittsburgh Steelers head coach making it to the Hall of Fame? (laughs) That's a good question. You know, I mean... uh... Post post merger, we we, we, we kind of know that uh, that the Steelers are doing pretty well, but uh, I, I it's it's been just amazing to watch, and and I think some of it comes from the strength of the league, and teams know they have to protect home court. It starts there. I think it it morphs into a lot of different things, but it starts there with teams playing desperately at home. I think there is a feeling, uh, a, sm- a slight feeling in some circumstances of, uh, from, from, the, from the road teams of inevitability uh, that, that we're probably not winning here anyway because nobody wins on the road. And I also think that some of it is the way the games have been officiated and the physicality that is allowed now, all of a sudden, I don't really understand why we're headed in the direction that we are. But there's physicality that's allowed, and I think that tends to favor the home team. I, I don't think that it's been that uneven, but I do think that there is a slight advantage in, to, to the home team uh, when they can be physical and then the crowd gets behind them, and, and that I think those things feed on themselves. So I, I, I do think that that plays into it. But it, 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 a lot of it comes from the strength of the team. When you've got 12 teams that are legit out of 14 and they're playing at home, they expect to win. So even though the, one of the teams that's coming in is likely to be legit as well, it's still really hard to deal with a good team playing at home. Do you think that some of it might be that we just have, you know, in this day of age of more guys moving and more guys going pro early, there's just not quite the same continuity of teams and maybe not quite the same experience level in the backcourt. Like, you know, cause when you talk about teams that do well on the road, it's usually experience laden teams, teams that have been together, they've been through battles, you know, like, do you think that's, that's part of it or no? No, I, I because I, it doesn't affect other leagues. It, there's, there's True. less continuity everywhere. And I mean, the big 10, for instance, lost Amir coffee and lost Nick Ward uh, and lost, uh, uh, Iggy Brasdakis, all three of those guys gone could have made their teams significantly better. But those three teams are all still good. I mean, the Atlantic 10, I don't know. I mean, excuse me, the, the Atlantic Coast Conference, I don't know that they lost the equivalent of those three players. Carolina 
did, but they were expect. I, I suppose Kobe White was to some extent not expected to go after one year when he was dra- when he was uh, recruited. But very early on, it was clear, and they signed a replacement at his position anyway. Cole Anthony. Now him being hurt impacts that conversation. But they didn't. They 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 didn't expect to have Nasir Little this year. They knew they weren't going to have Cam Johnson, and they still don't have any good wings. So it's not like it that they that that news flashed on them. Gee, hey, Nasir's going pro, really? I mean, everybody knew he was one and done. He didn't even have a good year, and he left. So I, I don't think that's the reason. I think it has more to do with their, the teams actually being stronger in the league, mm-hmm. and that making it harder to invade their territory. And and them knowing when they go on the road, like it's going to be really hard to get a win. Where are you getting a win? I mean, you go to Nebraska, Purdue's lost there. And, and they're not the only ones that have lost there. So, it, you know, it, you, Northwestern is the only team so far that hasn't beaten an NCAA turn, tournament contender in the league. And, and they have only had, you know, what, two, three, four opportunities, whatever it's been. So it's not like we're saying, oh, gee, shame on you. You haven't done it yet because they came real close last Wednesday, I think it was. So I, I think it's more the strength of the league and teams really you – know, that the, the core of it is that, and then it's the other factors that go along with that. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about Indiana. The Hoosiers went 2-0 and this past week with a couple of home victories – Although the feeling coming out of those two victories could not have been more different. Right. Uh, how do you assess the Hoosiers week? Well, if what happened on Saturday, and I don't mean the win. I mean, if what happened to, to create the win stays in place for a re And I don't mean they have to be that team every night. Nobody in this league is. This, I mean, Michigan State on Friday night was the best team in the league by leaps and bounds. And on Sunday afternoon, they were awful. So I'm not saying you have to be the same level of team every night, but you have to be the same combination every night. Even if your guys aren't playing well, they've got to be the same guys. And Devontae Green being the obvious example we're talking about here. And Arch was not subtle in his Friday comments uh, when he said, and it was one of my favorite quotes of the season, when he said, you have to be about the right things when it's not your night. And what I followed up with on, on BTN on su- Saturday afternoon was, if you're about the right things, it'll be your night more often. I mean, that's the reality. If you are about, like, Devontae comes into Saturday's game, doesn't start, probably shouldn't start based on his skill set and where he fits into this team, doesn't start, comes in, what's the first thing he does? He, he, he gets them a extra possession. What's the second thing he does? He throws a beautiful entry pass to Deron Davis. Those things don't go unnoticed. Players don't think people notice. I, don't, I mean, how do, how do basketball fans consume their content? Well, they're watching the game, and there's somebody on television telling them that's a good play. So if, if players only think – that fans understand that they're good or scouts understand that they're good when they make a basket, they're sorely mistaken because lots of guys who aren't good make baskets, but not many guys who aren't, who, who aren't good make those two plays. So he does those two things and then he gets more time. 
because he there's no reason to take him out. He's doing what he's supposed to do. So now he's on the floor more. And then he goes out and he makes that beautiful, unbelievable drive and he makes some shots. And now he's had a good day offensively and he's played the way his coaches want and the Hoosiers win. Everybody wins. But when you come out of the halftime, uh, halftime locker room down to a down to the, one of the established weak teams in your league. I mean, I don't think it's unfair to call Northwestern a weak team. They're after they won the other, I think they're still four games under 500. This is one of their poorer starts at, at Northwestern, which is not, as we know, a program with a grand basketball history of one of their poorer recent starts, I should say. And so you're down to that team on your home floor and you come out of the locker room at halftime. I don't know what Arch said. I don't know what the other guys in the locker room said. But I know they didn't say, hey, first trip, why don't you go out and take on three guys and take a guarded 14-footer in the lane? When I saw that, I almost fell out of my chair. And I thought that it was really, really an intelligent and courageous move by Arch. And I know courage is a, you know, please don't criticize me for saying courage. But, you know, bold, let's say bold. It was a bold move by Arch to have Devontae not play the final six, eight, 10 minutes, whatever it was, because he had, to, he not only had to send a message, he had to say, these guys are playing to win. This guy's not. Well, on Sunday, 23 minutes, I think he got ballpark played to win and they won and he excelled. And now if he goes out and does those same things in the next game, no guarantee they win, but it's a guarantee that they'll be competitive. They're, if he's playing like that, they're, it's highly unlikely they're going out and getting beat by 25 by, you know, by one of the other teams in the league as a contender. And for whatever reason, Devontae has just always responded well to being benched. It happened a sophomore year. It happened last year as a junior. Archie just did it a little bit earlier this year. So maybe we can see the effects <laughs> for a little bit longer because, you know, he got benched last year in the final seven games. He was really good. And so hopefully there is a, a, a lasting impact there. The other obviously. Let me, let me say one more thing, uh, yeah. if I could. Um, if, I, I'm not sure if you're going to change the subject or not, but I want to have one more thing to say about the Hoosiers. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be easy from here. There, are, I believe, there are 15 games left. 14 of those games are against the other 11 NCAA tournament contenders. Some combination thereof. Yeah, that's 14 out of 15, and the and the one that's not is on the road against Nebraska which has been dangerous at home. Okay. So they're all hard and chances are good. You're going to get into the big 10 tournament and you're going to wind up in another hard game because there's almost no easy ones. So it's going to be this. It's highly unlikely. It's going to be this. So you, I, I remember now a lot of you just listen. I went, I I did a roller coaster motion and then I did a straight upward. (laughs) It's, we're very familiar with the roller coaster here with Indiana yeah, basketball. And it's lately. gonna be a roller coaster. You're gonna win two, you're gonna lose one. You know, it, it it's is it possible that you're gonna go out and win five in a row? I guess it's possible. But I think most teams in this conference from here to the end are going to are going to have difficult stretches. And even if it's just win two, lose one, you, know, you can't get super upset about the result. You have to keep your head in the performance. And that's true of the players as well. You have to, or did we play, did we play well enough to win? Okay. How did we lose? And then go and take that and apply it to the next game. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why when you look at the Wisconsin and the Maryland losses, it's not losing that was bad. It's like you're probably going to lose those games. It's not even right. being competitive, you right. know, not even playing the same sport that they were playing, basically. Exactly. Um, sticking with Indiana, you know, you talked about Devontae Green, and he was terrific on Saturday against Ohio State. The other guard who was terrific was Rob Finnessy, getting him back in the starting lineup. He comes right out and makes three threes, which was huge. You know, look, we look at things obviously through a very IU basketball prism here, and he's such an important player. Is there a bigger X factor in the Big Ten from here on out than Rob Finnessy? Because it really seems like him playing makes Indiana an, an, a legit NCAA tournament team, and without Rob, as we all know, this team is kind of rudderless. Yeah, I think without him, everybody is out of is out of sync. Yeah, Al is out of his comfort zone now. Now. You take you put Rob on the floor, and Al is two things. One, check the other team's best wing, and he's very good at that. Two, make open shots. You know, hit the rim if you get it. If you get a clear a clear line drive, um, and you know, and run if you if you get the opportunity. And he can do those things with anybody in the league. But then you start putting playmaking and and all this kind of stuff on his plate, and it's not good. Devontae. Any, you know, I mean, can he can he make a pass? Sure, he's made lots of good passes in his career, but his mentality is to score first. So okay, so bring him off the bench and say, Devontae, take quality shots. As long as they're quality shots and they're in within the framework framework of the offense, it's not going to bother us. Do your job defensively. Take quality shots. We want you to score points for us. That's your job. But we don't want you to force offense. That's no one's job. And then Rob run the show, make open shots when it ro- rotates back to you and you're open. And, and everybody's back in place where they belong. And having Rob means better post feeds for Trace and Duran and Joey, all of whom are very effective finishers on the inside when they're singled up. And, and, and so everything works better in this rotation. Honestly, I don't know why it took so long to get to this, and, but I left Saturday after listening to Arch in the press conference in his interview with Lisa Byington on Fox, I left Saturday convinced that this is the way it's going to be. And, and I think that it, that, that was to me even more encouraging than the result. The, the fact that, that, that he said that this is the way it's going to be going forward, or at least hinted at that. And as well as Devante performing the, the role that he he's supposed to play and and doing it as well as he possibly can. You would certainly think so with health. I mean, I think health was the only thing keeping Rob out of the lineup. And then, you know, he, it finally looks like he's starting to get healthy, although he got a little banged up at the end of that game. So hopefully he is okay and ready to, to maintain that starting role down the stretch. Speaking of which, Indiana Wednesday goes on the road and plays Rutgers. Then you face Nebraska after that. And both of these are really tough games. I mean, Rutgers is legit. Nebraska is one of the best, you know, home court advantages in college basketball. You know, and yet you look at this and it does feel like two of the more winnable road games. They are obviously very losable, no question. But when you compare them to some of the other ones Indiana's going to have, you look at these. It's like if you're going to get a road win, these would be one of the ones. Do you one- have the schedule within do you have the do you have the other road games in front of you? Uh yeah, I can pull them up. So we've got We've got these two, obviously, at Rutgers, at Nebraska. Then you've got at Penn State, at Ohio State, at Michigan, at Minnesota, at Purdue, and at Illinois. 
So I would put Rutgers toward the top third of difficulty, degree of difficulty, winning of winning there. They are phenomenal at home. I mean, they've beaten some of the best teams in the country, like Seton Hall. Now, I don't know if Seton Hall was 100%. I don't think Miles Powell was playing much then, playing effectively. But they just obliterated them. And I, so I think the rack is a brutal place to play. And their fans are into it because, like, they know. Like, the, they can see the light, man. It's been 28 years, 29 years, and they can see it. So they are, they are into it. And we have not played well there recently, so all IU fans are familiar with this. Yeah, I, I, I think – now, Nebraska, although it's, it's a more difficult game on paper because, you know, we've seen teams go in there and struggle, it's certainly among – you know, if you listed those games one to eight or whatever it is, that would be one of the mo- – you know, that would be the one, the one most winnable game uh, of all of them, even though, like, I, like you said, Pinnacle Bank Arena – Tough place to play. Their fans are fantastic. Love Nebraska fans. They show up. They cheer. They give their team a home, a good home side, a home crowd advantage. Um, so, but but their team still is in is in progress. It, it's very and very much at the start of that progress. So, uh, is it, in the, the beauty of what they did to Nebraska or excuse, up, up to Purdue, for instance, is that you can tell your guys, or maybe even what they did to you on that Friday night a couple weeks ago. You could tell your guys, look, man, you think this one's a night off. It's not. You've seen them yourself. You saw what they did to Purdue. There, there are no easy road games in this league, and so you got to play. And so there is that advantage that, you know, guys are looking for easy nights. And every college player does it. And when you get trapped into a schedule where there are no easy nights, it becomes a real mental grind. But you have to get the wins where you can get them because the, because that there, there are no easy nights in any building. And that, like I said, like I, I, I gave you 15 games left, not a single easy night unless someone in there just gives up. And I don't see that happening because every team in there knows they got a shot. So fair to say that if Indiana comes out of these next two with one win, you feel oh, really good about it. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. If you can get one of those two. If you can get one of those two, that would be fantastic. Because I'm telling you, you know, they're they're going to be good teams in this league that go close to 500 ball, winning almost all their games at home and losing almost all their games on the road. They're going to be good teams, and maybe some of them will even get in. <clears throat> but they're going to. It's going to happen because th- that balance is just really amazing. All right, so here's a challenge for you: power rank this conference. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to do that uh, before we started, and I don't, I don't, I don't really know where you go with this. <laughs> a lot of me wants to say Michigan State's first, and everybody else is tied for like second or twelfth, however you want to say it. Uh, I, 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 Michigan State is definitely first, and I, I'd have to go Maryland second. But you know, you, when you do that, you have to feel you realize that uh, that they haven't had much sex, success away from home, and they were awful in their most recent road game. So you don't feel great about that, but definitely they would be the second place team. When I did my bracket today, they were the second highest seed of the teams. And then Ohio State, now, you know, I mean, Ohio State, I still have on the five line, but they're one and four in the league. They're tied for last place. You know, my, that, it feels weird. And then the next one after the other, the other five seed is Michigan. Uh, and again, another team that is struggling right now, mostly because of injury but also because the other teams in the league make you struggle. 
So it's a it's a really odd deal to do that. But the there there has never been a conference in college basketball like this. The Big Ten, the Big East, the difference between the Big Ten and the Big East this year. Big Ten has 14 members, two that have no shot unless they somehow pulled off the miracle of all miracles and won the Big Ten tournament. So 12 out of 14 with a shot. And the Big Ten, excuse me, the Big East has 10 teams that are all quality. I mean, DePaul came into the league year with a shot. They're kind of blowing it now. They're 0-3, but they still have a lot of time to make that up. Providence came in with very little shot and then it went 3-0 out of the gate. But they got no, They have no teams that have no shot. So it's, it's really unusual. And then you have other leagues that have very good teams at the top and then mediocre to bad teams at the bottom. Uh, those two leagues, the Big Ten and the Big East, in, so, in some ways there's never been anything quite like it. I mean, when the Big East got 11 out of 16 in 2011, they had four teams at the bottom that had, two, I think, two total wins among them against teams that made the tournament. And they, had 11, you know, they had 11 teams to take a shot at and only got two wins out of that. And they, all the wins they had in the league basically were against one another. That's, so it, it made it easier to get in for the 11 who did because, hey, we got Seton Hall tonight, yay. Or we got Providence, double yay. Or we got, best of all, DePaul, which won one league game that year. South Florida, I think, won three league games that year. I think they went one against DePaul and one against Seton. It was all like that. You don't have that here. That's what makes this just different than anything I've ever seen. Now, I mean, you go back to the old days when you had the ACC, there would be years where you would have seven or eight out of nine. And I covered the, the Big East in 1991, and they got seven out of nine into the tournament, seven out of nine. And the eighth was this close was maybe the last, you know, back then they didn't tell you, but it was maybe the last team out or the next last team out. Um, so, but then you had also Boston college, which was one in 15 in the league and usually wasn't much of a threat. This, you just don't have it anymore. And I, I, I think that's just, it makes for every team in the league, it makes it very difficult for their fans to get on that mental role of, we really got it going. Because I don't know that you're going to see a lot of that in this league. It, to date, you've not really seen it at all. Yeah, your momentum is just until your next road game, basically. Yes, yes. Um, what players have kind of stood out to you since Big Ten play began in earnest again You know, a couple weeks ago? Has anybody really jumped out in terms of they're really playing better or they're not playing as well as they were? Well, the, I think that to some extent, one would have to go back and – Minnesota at the start of the year, they weren't winning and they weren't as as featured at, in some circumstances. And so people didn't, you know, and I myself included, didn't really notice much about Daniel Latour. We all knew him. We all liked him. And we all thought he's going to be a good player. But now he gets, you know, into the league, into the and they start to win some games. I think they're four and two in their last six. And all of a sudden you're watching them and you're like, you know, the mock drafts, the first mock drafts, I mean, I don't think he was even like in the picture. And now he's like 10th, you know, because he's it's like, oh, my God, I mean, this guy's one of the best players in the country. He's, uh, there, you know, there are not five guys in college basketball. And I, don't, I can't speak for the overseas guys. There are not five guys in college basketball 
that I would take over Daniel Aturu as an NBA play prospect. There are not. I mean, Anthony Edwards, yeah. Uh, if you if you uh, if you want to count Wiseman as a quote unquote college player, uh, yeah, I'd probably take him ahead. Uh, there, but I, I, the list gets really short after those couple guys. Oturu has everything, and and he's you know he he plays hard. He's a great kid, really bright. There's everything you'd want in him. Uh, Luca Garza has continued to excel. Cassius has gotten better. Sunday, notwithstanding, he was very poor on Sunday. He was not uh, Purdue. He does not do well against Nogel Eastern. That's a bad matchup for him. Uh, the less he sees in Nogel, the better. Uh, but uh, he's been really good up until that game. So those those guys have been the best players in the league to this point. And you know, I I I can't say enough, and I think I might have gone on this uh, this rant uh, before uh, about uh, about Jalen Smith. I, I just love what he's doing at Maryland, playing in the middle. Not one complaint. Not ever. He's and he is undersized. I, I like I saw an article about Precious Achua at Memphis and how you know he had to accept playing in the middle now because there's no Wiseman, and he's six six ten two sixty. And he, he didn't want to play in the middle. Now he is, and he's playing great, and that's wonderful. And he's not, you know, he's bought in, but he had to be sold a little bit. Jalen Smith just said, okay, sure, coach. He goes out and he gets beat on, and, and he just plays great. So I, I, it, he's one of my favorite players of the year for that reason. I have not heard one word from anybody about him saying he doesn't totally embrace his role. It's amazing how many good big men. There are this year in the Big Ten. I mean, yes. just it's every, part of the reason why all this is going on. Every single night, it's just a great, you know, great big man matchup. So you were in Bloomington for the game against Ohio State. Did anybody else jump out to you? I mean, we talked about the guards, but from an Indiana perspective, did any other players jump out to you? Uh, you know, watching them as guys that you know you think are you know could really maybe start to take that next step that would help Indiana get to the next level. Well, correct your uh, geography a little bit. I was in Chicago in in, uh, in the BTN studios watching. So, oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you were in Bloomington. Okay. No, I was not. But uh, Joey Brunk would be the answer. I thought Joey played great. I thought he was much more aggressive than than his uh, baseline had been. His stand and and he's been fine. He has, but he was he was he was on a uh, definitely on a different level on Sunday. Maybe challenged because he knew that. Uh, he was going up against one of the best big ten, excuse me, one of the best big men in the Big Ten in in, in Caleb Wesson. But he was aggressive, uh, he was assertive, he 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 really went after it, and I thought he did a lot of damage. And it, it, that that combination between he and Trace worked much better in, in that game than in some previous games. And so, of all the players out there, aside from Devonte, I would say his his performance deviated the most from his baseline. Now, I that's not to say that he was one of those players who was not who was not buying in. I that I don't that I would not say at all. No. Just he played better. That was all I'm saying. He didn't have to change his approach or his attitude. He just had to play better and he did. He was if you look at his numbers and just if you watch the games, he was one of the worst post defenders in college basketball last year at Butler. And, you know, this year he's not great. You know, he's in the 37th percentile defending post-ups, but that's a lot better than the 8th percentile. And, yes. you know, more than the numbers, you just saw it 
against Caleb Wesson. I mean, he just made it tough. He just played hard. And that's what he's been bringing, you know, and he's just become a real consistent, consistent force on both ends, um, which is great to see. Did you, did anything jump out to you about Jerome Hunter in that game? Because I think one thing, a lot of Indiana fans, obviously he's been a guy we've talked about since last year, you know, the great, the great mystery, you know, potential superstar Jerome Hunter that we didn't get to see last year, you know, that this year has struggled, you know, as he's kind of coming back from that injury, you know, get himself acclimated to college basketball. That game to me felt like a, a real step in the right direction for him. And he seems like, he seems like the kind of guy that could really help change the equation for Indiana moving forward. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he did a great job of getting himself fouled. Uh, they trusted him for 19 minutes in a game where the opposition's – a lot of the opposition's danger comes from the perimeter, comes from the two and three spots. Uh, excuse me, uh, Caleb Wesson is their best player and their most important player. But their good days come when you get a Dwayne Washington going uh, or a Luther Muhammad going. And they really didn't get either of those guys going uh, at all. And I know Dwayne had other problems, but uh, they didn't get those guys going. Uh, Andre Wesson did fine. He did a really nice job in that game. Uh, but he really played a lot of four because of uh, Kyle Young's uh, foul, early foul trouble. Uh, so a lot of Andre's, what Andre's damage was done when he was playing the stretch four position. Uh, so I thought that they did a really nice job of, of containing the perimeter players and, and Hunter was part of that. I, I, I know I read a tweet. I, I'm not sure if it was yours. Now I think it might've been that said that, um, that this, you know, I can feel it coming. Jerome is going to have a breakout game. It's coming, it wasn't yours, <laughs> but maybe it was someone who was thinking like you, it but, was, it was absolutely mine. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, and so, uh, one, you know, I'm paying attention. Yes. Two, you know, I think there's a point there. The, you know, getting himself fouled. And again, it's in a game where, where every possession, at least through the first 38 minutes was pretty much life or death. I mean, there yeah. weren't very many possessions you could just say, Oh, well on. And so for him to do, be as active and involved and get as many minutes as he did in that one, uh, I could certainly see where you're coming from. Last question for you, Mike. You know, I always like to ask what games you're looking forward to, but it kind of feels like every game is really important and potentially like really fun and watchable. Um, so but do any in particular stand out outside of the IU games this week? Well, first of all, I would say that for Wisconsin, it's in. I mean, every week for everybody's an enormous week, but for a particularly enormous week for Wisconsin, they've got Maryland uh, and they've got Michigan State. I think the way I remember it, I think Maryland is coming to them and they go to Michigan State. The Friday doubleheader, I believe it's on FS1. Um, I'm not sure if they're both on FS1. Uh, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Michigan, Iowa. Wow. Doubleheader there. Uh, and, it, it, I, you know, you, you look, we, we do this at Big Ten Network every week on the, on the Big Ten and Beyond show. We highlight big games of the week. And usually we, they, they pick out games between ranked teams and that sort of thing. And toward the end of the year, we might pick out a bubble game and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, we, I, I, I joke in the meeting now, I say, just put the whole Big Ten schedule up. There. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're all unbelievable games. Especially since the second highest ranked Big Ten team is 13th in the conference. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, it's just that kind of season. It is just it that is crazy. It really is. And, you know, every time you look at the net rankings and you, and if you don't trust them, you can go to Ken Palm and it's a similar story. Uh, 
you know, you're looking at 12 teams in the top, whatever, 50, 55, 45, but it's all right there in the picture. Yep. Well, Mike, thank you. We always appreciate your insight and look forward to talking with you next week after maybe two road victories for Indiana. No, just kidding. Just kidding. We'll take, we'll take one. We'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll take one. (laughs) Enjoy. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Jared. All right. Always appreciate Mike DeCourcy being with us here on Mondays to talk about the Hoosiers, to talk about the Big Ten. Uh, I am going to have to get out of here. No mailbag this week. I know I said last week, you know, that I might not be able to do Banner Monday every week, and this was kind of one of those weeks where I don't have time to do the full one, but wanted to at least get in here, talk with Mike, because it's always great talking to him. Uh, so I will just close with a reminder, if you didn't hear Ryan and I talk about this after the uh, Ohio State postgame show on Saturday, uh, we've got an event. Coming up Saturday, February 8th in Bloomington, uh, our whole team will be up there. Andy, Coach, Ryan, me, uh, we will all be up there in Bloomington for that game. That is our uh, our annual pilgrimage to Bloomington. And after the game, immediately following the IU-Purdue game, which starts at 2 Eastern, I believe it's a 2 Eastern tip, uh, we will be at Switchyard Brewery, and we will do a live postgame show. It's going to be us, the Crimson Cast guys, going to do a live postgame show. So if you can be there, if you can be in town, we would love to have you come out for that. Uh, it'll be a really fun night, you know, breaking down that that game. Hopefully, obviously, it's an IU win, and just the opportunity to be able to see you, meet you, shake your hand, thank you for being part of this assembly call audience and community would mean a lot to us. So if you're going to be in town, uh, let us know, and we will plan to meet you there at Switchyard. You want me to take that off? You want to come say hi to everybody? The show's almost over. Okay, here. Come say hi. You were, you were trying to come in earlier. All right, here's my daughter. <clears throat> no nap today. She's wearing her penguin costume. If you want to talk to everybody, you have to talk into the microphone like this. Hi. Do you want to say go Hoosiers? Go Hoosiers. There we go. All right. Should we sign off? Yeah. I got to go get you a snack, don't I? Okay, so now you're seeing why uh, why it's cut short today. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right, everybody. (laughs) We'll see you after IU Rutgers on Wednesday night. (laughs) One more go Hoosiers. Go Hoosiers. (laughs) Who's that? That's Mike DeCourcy. Who's that? That's us. That's you. That's me. Here, come on. I got to put you down. There's not a lot of space over here. Okay. Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are powerful. You're a warrior who bathes in your enemy's tears. Then you step out of that refreshing tear bath and into a bathrobe that somehow looks good on you. Yeah, you can pull off a robe. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you save money for driving safely with Snapshot from Progressive. Mmm, savings you can use to buy more robes. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.